0: are listening to Legacy Lawyers, hosted by Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. Hi, everyone. What's up? Nathan, we're going to cover LLCs today. I'm just getting right to it. Mm-hmm. covering them. LLC, yeah, have we have a are... lot of things though, right? And for now you
1: just painted yourself into a corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was I was waiting for you to throw them out there. That was to you. Oh I'm, I no, can't I'm not biting down on that.
0: Space. Lucky little craps.
1: Um <laughs> <laughs> Life lived carelessly. There you go. Um, Anything- I think it really means limited liability company.
0: It does not mean limited liability corporation. No, it does not. It's a, it seems like the same thing, but it actually while, is a big distinction.
1: And while our listeners will be would be enthralled <laughs> by the history of how the LLC came to be, we will just leave the one most important nugget that they were initially created in the great state of Wyoming, from which I hail. It's
0: true, they were. It's like Wyoming's number one claim to fame, right?
1: Well, Well, the hilarious part is that (laughs) I think they call us, I think we're the equality state because we were one of the first states to allow women to vote oh but it had nothing to do with being ahead of the times or equality had everything to do with there weren't enough people to vote present (laughs) to to vote and so they they said okay we're gonna let the women vote so as much as i wish that it would have been really about you know treating men and women the same and and equality and so forth. I I I have to question whether or not it really was. But for whatever whatever I might think, the state took that as its tagline. So
0: equality state, mm-hmm. aka home of the LLC.
1: I mean, yeah, it's really the cowboy state, right? Like Yeah. yeah. Our, State insignia and the thing that's on the license plate and is the silhouette of the cowboy on the bucking bronc. You should. It is not the silhouette of the letters LLC.
0: <laughs> you should get a petition. They need to change it. Yeah. Okay, so a limited liability company has. Substantial relevance to an estate plan but before we get into that just want to remind our, our listeners that Nathan and I are attorneys but we do this podcast for educational purposes only and so we are not giving legal advice for your specifics situation and you need to seek independent outside legal counsel to advise you on what you should do. So with that being said should we just start with uh maybe an example of what of someone who should have had an llc and maybe didn't and why that matters yeah
1: um i mean i'm trying to think if i've got this classic scenario that we always talk about if i have an actual case like case that. that i've dealt with but
0: I have one, but I can mean, definitely come
1: up with a hypothetical
0: where it's crucial. Yeah, I have one, but crucial. I, I'm thinking the facts aren't going to be generic enough. Maybe we should just give a generic example.
1: So. Well, the generic example is, is that I own a rental property and I have good home insurance. I even have an umbrella policy. But my renters have a party and they invite a local neurosurgeon um, and they're having a little soiree out on the back deck and the neurosurgeon leans up against the railing on my deck and it gives way and she falls to you would think her death, but she lands on her head and breaks her neck at C3 in the cervical spine and is therefore rendered a quadriplegic. And she sues... The reason I have to use a neurosurgeon is because i got to come up with big damages. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. I
1: mean, damages would be probably pretty I think- high for any quadriplegic, but
0: yeah, for I-
1: quadriplegic who is making say half a million dollars a year and had another 20 years left on a career um you're gonna have She's gonna sue for 10 mil 10 mil easy Mm -hmm. which is gonna chew up my home insurance liability policy limits and also gonna chew through the
0: equity umbrella
1: Umbrella policy and the equity in the home, and therefore, the TV lawyer that she hires will be coming after every single asset that I own. Mm -hmm. So, now maybe you can explain how, if I had a, and let's be clear, a properly formed, um, properly operated properly documented limited liability company how that might have changed the scenario
0: well if you if you had formed such company and that company actually owned the piece of real estate that this accident occurred on then her claims would be against the limited liability company right mm-hmm. they're the ones who own the property the limited liability company is the one who would had who would have been negligent in not securing the railing, and so the lawsuit is against this company. And and so once they get their ten million dollar judgment in this example, um, they get this paper from the court saying they're worth ten million. They can only collect against the limited liability company, which probably just has a small bank account and this piece of I real estate. Keep
1: two months' rent. In there, and that's it. In that bank account, and I don't know, and I don't own any other properties in that LLC. And the so, house is worth three hundred fifty thousand dollars.
0: So you still lose the house. Yep. Because the LLC owns the house,
1: and that's not good. But it's way better than losing the house and losing my own house.
0: Mm-hmm. But then when they say, "Well, I want Nathan's personal residence." The, mm, there's an X that comes up and says, not, not allowed, mm-hmm. not allowed. You can only go after what the LLC owns. So, so that's where a creative lawyer will say, hey, well, um, maybe I can, and the term we use is pierce the corporate veil or pierce the LLC and, and go after the underlying owners. And that's where your earlier statements of properly formed, properly ran, properly documented matters, because if those things have been done, then the law doesn't have really any basis to say I should be able to go after the owner.
1: Yeah. So just to bring this kind of full circle, I think in episode two.
0: Oh yeah. You had
1: a. I talked about a case that I handled back when I litigated, where a mom and pop trucking company in Texas um, had an eighteen wheeler that was involved in a, a semi truck motorcycle accident, which did not end well for the people on the motorcycle. No. And one the drive the 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 main driver of the motorcycle was killed on impact his wife on the back though was a quad so damages were huge um the facts weren't good if you want to know what the facts were you can go back and listen to that but what's relevant for this conversation is that after we offered policy limits which in this case were way too small. It was only a million dollar policy. If you're running a trucking company, even 10, 15 years ago, you should, have, you should have leased. I mean, I don't know, but a million is far too little, but turns out that they had been running the company poorly. It was not properly documented they were using the company bank account, they being the owners of this trucking company of this LLC they're using the bank card of the LLC to buy groceries um, to basic they're basically treating that account like it was one of their own personal accounts and believe it or not, like when I started asking those questions, the guy knew where I was headed with it, and that's when he that's when he burst into tears, mm-hmm because he realized that what I was saying is that they're going to be trying to pierce the corporate veil. And based on what you're telling me, sounds like they might have a decent shot at piercing it. Therefore, all of the land holdings that they had in Texas that were not properly put in entities like LLCs or an asset protection trust, those were all on the sh- potentially on the chopping block so because we settled four policy limits with a reservation of rights i don't know how the story ends but the lesson is don't treat your limited liability company's bank account like your own personal slush fund
0: and and treat your business like a business right like hey here's a contract Maybe it should have the name of the business on the contract. Maybe when you sign it, your title should be next to it. So if you're the manager, president, whatever you want to call your, whatever you're considered in your company, yeah. CEO, whatever you want to be, you should probably sign with that title on, mm-hmm. on everything.
1: Oh, I would say definitely on everything.
0: Uh, it's not a bad idea to have an email that has the name of the company in it, right? You know, no sending all my business emails from my personal email, might you know give someone a argument well I didn't know that I was dealing with a business I thought I was just dealing with Mike Haslam
1: yeah and it's like all of those little things can compound on each other so that maybe if there was I mean because who hasn't as a business who hasn't pulled the wrong card out of their wallet as a business owner and Mm. accidentally purchased the milk and eggs and bread on the company card. And then you're texting your partner going, sorry, um, just accidentally (laughs) made a purchase at Smith's on, on on the corporate card. I mean, that one of, one of those here and there, that's where it was inadvertent and you can show it was inadvertent. That's going to, that's probably no harm, no foul. But then if you pile that on with lots of occurrences of that, plus I send all my emails for my business out of my personal account and I sign all my contracts in my personal name, not as the business um, representative, then now we're getting to the point where we're reaching critical mass on mistakes that are going to result in a, a successful bail piercing argument.
0: Yeah, and in most states, you know, the, the elements to pierce that entities protection is really you know they look at the total circumstances so totality
1: of the circumstances if
0: you you, want to yeah find that exact language there um so it it's it's hard to it's hard to say you know one mistake's not getting you there two mistakes aren't getting Mm -mm. there and but then just depends on the judge the jurisdiction the situation and maybe maybe 10 10 issues is enough or or maybe and i mean
1: that's the thing that you don't that's why you want to be careful about how you run it because you never know what judge you're going to draw you never know
0: yeah
1: how good the attorney is going to be on the other side at making that argument and so you want them to have as little ammunition as possible when they're trying to put together a veil piercing argument so that your attorney can easily shoot that thing out, out of the water and just say yeah um, your honor, this isn't going to fly. These, are, these were basic mistakes. They were inadvertent. We can show that. And as you can see, we have five years of history of this company being run properly and tax returns being filed, um, books being kept, accounts being kept separate, money's not commingled, um, contracts are signed by the, you know, representative authorized representative of the llc and the court's going to say yeah you're right counsel this this court or this uh, limited liability company is going to hold up and we are not allowing this plaintiff to pierce yep which in that case means all that liability all those prickly issues that stick out from being a the owner of a rental property they're all encapsulated inside of a really tightly locked strong box, and they're not going to get out. So that box might like sit on the ground and shake and there'll be noise and growling and teeth and all that. But at the end of the day, once it chews itself up on the inside, the insurance money's gone, the um, equity in the property's gone. Eventually it's just an empty box, but the plaintiff never gets outside of it to do damage to my other assets.
0: Exactly. And so LLCs are great planning vehicles. Anytime you're dealing with, you know, real estate, but also just any business you're setting up. And so that's the other thing I think people miss the boat on. Right. So, you know, I've had cases in the past where the business is three to five years in (laughs) the business owners are now like, maybe they're on the outs, maybe the, um, or yeah. may, maybe they're really successful and they're like, hey, we got a big pot of money we got to divide up because we're going to sell. Yeah, they've
1: got an offer on the table to, to buy them.
0: And, and now all of a sudden those initial documents they use to form the company matters, right? And yeah, and how
1: many times have you had to go back and retroactively try to form the entity and there's only so many things you can do to be within the law. Mm-hmm. I mean, then, you can usually go back a few months, maybe to the first of the year that you actually form the company in and say, okay, we started running it from this date.
0: Exactly.
1: But mm-hmm. but even but even doing that in a situation where you've been sued is going to be risky.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I mean, it's a common characteristic of entrepreneurs, business owners to like run fast and just get stuff done. And that's why people are successful. Um, Then they realize two years, three years, four years, five years in that they've grown something substantial and, Oh my gosh, we never did anything to make any of this formal or final. So I guess I'm not saying stop being the kind of person that can get a business up and running just call a good lawyer that can be a trusted advisor at the beginning and say, okay, I got an idea and I'm going to be really busy with like the ins and outs of the business model or what, what, what the business structure or not the structure, but what the day-to-day dealings of the business are. I need you to come along behind me and keep me in line with the formalities and the forms and the legal documents so that I don't wake up, three to three years from now and realize that i built all this on a foundation of sand
0: well and and that's the problem is sometimes everyone has different conclusions on what the arrangement was so a lot of people don't realize this but the second like i talk to someone and say hey let's do this business together the law considers us a partnership just the conversation alone Mm-hmm. like i didn't have to form something with the state of utah and file partnership documents or anything like you can you can form a partnership with a verbal agreement and then and then it's all the time and then um that that evolves into something else and then this person's like wait i'm an owner and they and then the other the end the other individuals are like well we talked about you maybe being involved but You never said you were an owner. And so then it just disintegrates into this. What do you really own? And who's really the owners? Yeah. Or another, and this kind
1: of gets back to what we've already talked about, but I want to bring this up because I know that somebody listening to this will fall into this scenario. They're confident that they have a limited liability company. And so I say to them in a meeting, cool. Let me see your LLC. And they proudly pull out this page. One page. (laughs) And it's the certificate of registration with the state. And they go, there's my LLC. And I just, I think, man, if I was the plaintiff's lawyer and there was a legal issue right now, I would just be licking my chops because I mean, I can blow that out of the water all day long. No, no formation documents beyond just registering with the state, no separate um, tax considerations, no bank account, no. No,
0: no document showing what the contributions were like. Usually when you form a business with someone that the documents will confirm, like, are people contributing cash services? If the person working in the business, are they doing that for sweat equity? Are they getting compensated? Like mm-hmm. all that. I've even had a scenario where they, where they were so proud of that piece
1: of paper. And when I looked at that piece of paper, they had reserved a DBA.
0: I was going to say, I was going to ask doing you, business, you
1: a doing business as the all basically they reserved a name. So it's basically just a, a sole proprietorship. They have all the liability and we got to start from scratch.
0: Or it's a partnership and they file. <laughs> yeah. If there's ADA. somebody else.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like what, what do you, what do they have? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if, if you're listening to this and you're like, gosh, I think I really, all I have is that one, one piece of paper. and am not even sure that it really is an LLC, then time to get that thing out. Time to call a experienced attorney that deals with estate planning and business, um, closely held businesses, business formation and say, Hey, can I get in for consultation to have my LLC reviewed and to talk about what other things I need in place?
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly right. Cause, and and you really, every couple of years you got to go through and clean that up. So if you've had a business for five years with your business partners and you did do some, you know, initial legwork, that is awesome. But there's a couple of really important provisions that you should probably review. Like, you know, what happens to the business? If one of you passes away, that's usually somewhere in those documents and how's the business valued. You know, I've, I've seen some where they just locked in the value, right? They said, Hey, if one of us dies, the other owner gets to buy out the deceased owner and we set the value of the business at a million dollars. Well, five years later, it's a $10 million business.
1: Yeah, um, so it needs to be updated. That's assuming they ever did that in the first place. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: if you did it, and if you found them, like you just said earlier, that by the time they get to you, they're already on the outs. Well, then the battle's already lost in the sense that good chance there's going to be litigation over how the business should be valued for purposes of splitting the sheets, and that could have been prevented by putting something in writing and keeping it updated.
0: Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I think, I mean, I think we were both talking about some cases earlier that we've seen that where um, that's exactly what happened. They didn't have good formation documents at all. Either there was some, there was some expectation that someone was an owner when they wasn't, when they weren't, or there was some um, uh, kind of expectations that they were um well kind of same thing but they were they were really employee and they thought they w- and they thought they were an owner. Anyways, long story short, no one was on the same page and it went to litigation for years and years.
1: Yeah. Um I think you're describing a case that I may have been involved with or are you talking about one that you dealt with?
0: Well I think we we were just talking earlier and General. I, yeah, you, you mentioned one similar to that and I've had one similar to that. Yeah. So. yeah. And what you have to understand about
1: that is that that business was one that I'm thinking of. That business was functioning in the early 2010s area. Not even, maybe even earlier than that, like 2000, mid 2000 mid mid 2000s and the litigation broke out a couple of years later and a judgment ultimately resulted because one of the parties wasn't able to continue paying an attorney to defend it.
0: And so, now, wait, so basically, one of the parties just gave up and said, "I don't care if I lose." Yeah.
1: Well, it's not that they said, "I don't care if I lose." They just ran out of money. Yeah. Um, and. Ultimately, what happened is a judgment was rendered, which judgments are good for eight years, and then they, at least in our jurisdiction, they're good for eight years, and then they can be renewed indefinitely. So this is still hanging over this person's head, and it could have all been prevented by um, reducing some of the discussions to writing so that it wasn't literally a he said, he said. yeah huge mess
0: yeah and that's tough
1: and and now there's you know other uh, business activities that have taken place and it's still a shade that hangs over that, that new business
0: well and it can kill your business too right like you have this all this momentum and then yep this this ownership disagreement breaks out it can't get resolved Mm-hmm. Um, it can c- completely kill the business because some, you know, some, some businesses are really tied to the owners. It's not right. So like if, and you might see this more in professional businesses, like maybe it's a, a law firm or a CPA or a dental practice, right? Like, well, I'm just going to take my clients and go somewhere else. And, and that can really, I mean that can really kill kill a bit yeah. if it's tied to the owners
1: and so. just the logistical mess of untangling everything can kill your ability to continue to run your business.
0: Yeah. So yeah, so I mean LLCs are really great tools, but it's just like any it's just like any legal planning that you needs know, to
1: be done in advance.
0: The sooner you do it, the better it will work for you. And
1: I think sometimes people maybe, I don't know, I'm, well, yeah, I know this. I know from a few conversations that sometimes people have a misconception that it's going to be like super expensive to set up this complicated entity when in reality, if it's a brand new undertaking, a startup or something along those lines, the attorney that you work with should be able to tailor the documents and the size of the, um, you know, plan and the cost of the plan to fit your, your budget. And then what the good thing about that is then you have the basics in place. And if it grows, when it grows, you can build upon that, but you have all of the essential elements in place right from the beginning. So people shouldn't be afraid to at least ask the question and, And shop for an opportunity to work with a good lawyer that's going to walk alongside them as their business grows.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of easy if you're like, you know, I'm buying a piece of, I'm buying a rental. I need an LLC for that. Like Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's clear cut. You want to protect your equity in that. And it's, I think it's more, more motivation for someone to do the legal planning, but someone who has just an idea, they've never started a business before, maybe they're kind of going out on a limb, right? I'm going to try this business venture. Like it's tempting to cut costs wherever you can. Mm-hmm. And and so you got, but you got to strike that balance, right? You need to get some of the essentials in and, and it really is much more affordable than I think a lot of people think. And then later on, you can beef it up and say, okay, let's get, Yep. let's get it. So it's a good tip, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Well, um probably the last thing about LLCs is um make sure you name it a cool name. I mean that's
1: yeah, and I mean if one of one of the kind of implicit points that we've made here that we can now make explicit is that because of what you just said, you're trying to create a separate entity from yourself. So probably a good idea to come up with a cool name that doesn't have your name in it.
0: Yeah. If I call it Mike Caslin properties,
1: I could think of a lot better names favor, right? (laughs) No. So, I mean, if, if part of the point of this is to be able to demonstrate to a court that you have a separate legal entity that, that runs your business and you just happen to be one of the um, folks that operates inside of that business, then having your name all over the billboards or all even on the entity itself is, is going to be, you're starting out with a strike against you.
0: Yeah. It's just one more thing. They say, well, I thought I was dealing with Mike personally. Everything said Mike has them on it. So I didn't know, I didn't know the word properties meant it was a business. So yeah.
1: So do you have any cool names in mind? Is that why you brought it up? Because you had cool names?
0: Oh, I should have. I should have. But but then if I give them, people will steal them and then we'll, we'll use them later on. I'm going to have to keep that one to, close to the, to the best. Yeah,
1: and be careful. Like if you're a huge, say, Spongebob fan, you don't want to use Spongebob in the name of your business.
0: You might have a trademark.
1: <laughs> Pretty good odds down the road if... You go anywhere with that business, that there's going to be letterhead from legal counsel at Nickelodeon.
0: So maybe we should use Voyant Legal as an example, Nathan, of why we need it. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot that of that went into that name, but part of the benefits of Voyant Legal is
1: nobody knows what it means. <laughs> And that we did that on purpose because we're like, okay, we're going to take a name. We're not going to do the, I mean, I fall asleep when I say Haslam and Croxford. (laughs) another firm with lawyers names on it. Oh gosh, spare me. So we were like, buoyant legal. People like, what does that mean? Well, we're going to show you what it means. And then we built a brand around it. Mm
0: -hmm. It means, yeah it, it means what we created, right? Like, yeah. And then we found out
1: that in another language, it does have some meaning and it kind of means the ability to see into the future, which that was pretty cool.
0: That is cool. Kind of
1: for a planning firm.
0: Yeah. It does have some, Mm -hmm. does have some relevant, relevant.
1: It's substantial. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so, you know, Voyant is, and then people have copied us. We have several companies. Yeah, our, our phone company.
1: company we do business with for our voice over IP, all of a sudden one day <laughs> they were and called good. Voyant. We're like, check that out. <laughs> That's actually not going to be an infringement because the industries are so different
0: mm-hmm. that there's,
1: the test is, are we going to have confusion amongst consumers? But we're digressing. We're getting into IP law a little bit. So, but yeah, come up with a cool name. Um, do some due diligence on the name to make sure you're not picking a name for a super successful business.
0: That well, well, Google came, not Google, Facebook came out with their new name today, Nathan. Oh, really? Yeah, like the overall the overall name for all of their services, products. Wow. I'm learning this, I'm learning this on
1: real time, real time on the podcast, because as you know, today for me, I did not get a lunch break. I did not get, I barely got a bathroom break between meetings. I've been slammed from 9am to right now. And we actually have to be done in seven minutes, which mm-hmm. I think we will be, because I've got another meeting, but I missed this. So do you want
0: to reveal? Yeah. So, I mean, they went, they went all out. They must have, like, really had quite the brainstorming session. And so their company is now Meta, M-E-T-A. Hmm. I feel like they really did not impress me. I thought of meta world peace, right? Ron Artest played for the Lakers. I'm like, they hired Ron after the test. after the,
1: the name he selected, after the rumble in Detroit, where he goes into <laughs> the fan or into the stands, and you know, the famous brawl that broke out, and so then he couldn't be Ron Artest anymore. He, he became Meta World his Peace. Image. And then um my son, who's a complete Walking in Sports Encyclopedia tells me the other day that Ron Artest, who didn't even play when my kid was watching, but was he say, knows everything. He, know
0: Ron he knows.
1: Oh, he knows because he knows about the Rumble. Wow. Like he's seen the video of the Rumble. I think there's a ESPN spotlight. What's thirty? And 30, 30. Yeah, on that. But but anyway, um, he now plays in China. And he changed his name to Meta,
0: I think. Meta China Peace?
1: Panda. Oh. World Peace, Meta Panda World Peace, something.
0: Are you serious? Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. Like, let me do a quick search. Okay, well, when you do a search. I'll kind of link the, how they, so Facebook, you know, they were really popular and then they've gotten a little flack lately just from everybody for everything they do. So they've kind of got this a little bit of maybe like a bad guy image. And so they are just doing what Ronar test did. They just changed their name to Meta, but they just left off the piece part. So I don't get it. I'm just confused by their whole name change. If they were gonna Yeah, interesting. But maybe maybe there's a meaning I'm missing. Gosh, now, I think course, I,
1: I, I'm not gonna be able to find this. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> Is it the first thing you <laughs> So born. Ronald William Artest, Ron Artest, changed to Meta Meta World Peace in 2011. Subsequently, changed around 2014 to the Panda's Friend. Are you pandas? Oh, I'm reading this off of a basketball website. (laughs) So, Uh, uh, what's his first name? (laughs) The. He, he should have just went Panda's friend so he could be Panda's. Yeah. The Panda's <laughs> friend. Mr. friends. And... and then it says in 2020, he changed it to Meta Sandiford Art, a, a hyphenated Meta Sandiford hyphen Artest. Oh. So he is now Meta Artest. Oh, Meta Sandiford Artest. Went back to his roots. And I have no idea what the the deal is with the Santa Ford. But at this point, when you've gone to the Panda's friend, then all bets are off as to what you might do in the future with your name.
0: Well, he's got it down. Like, changing your name the first time is hard, right? Because you got to fill out all the forms, the security office. <laughs> now you he's just redoing the forms. <laughs> but he just pulls them up, refills out the... Yeah, Mel's yeah. in the court. Yeah, he's yeah. got it down. So it's after he doesn't want it. Once.
1: So I I asked Gavin, why in the world would he do that? Why would he be the panda's friend? And it's because he went and played in a a league in China for a while.
0: It was it was probably marketing stunt. Yeah. Hey Nathan, you got one minute? So anyway, yeah, do words. I could use a, a bathroom break. So I, mean, I don't want
1: to. I don't want there to be TMI, but. <laughs> No, I would just say probably one of the most useful, most versatile planning tools that we have in our belt and something that every business owner or person with a good idea should consider very strongly before they start rocking and rolling.
0: I love it. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. See ya. You've been listening to Legacy Lawyers with Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. We give you the juicy detail of cases that our law firm has dealt with. We take out the lawyer talk and legalese and show you what options some of our clients had to choose from to fix their situation. The effects of not doing planning can be devastating. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook and Instagram at Voyant Legal. Call us at 801-951-0500 or send us an email at team at voyantlegal.com. And for commonly asked questions, hit voyantlegal.com slash resources. We'll see you next time.